Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, and that means it is time for The Art of the CEO, the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I am your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and whether you are a managerial consultant showing leaders how to ignite growth like Pamela, or perhaps you're a veteran banker who's ridden the reins of four takeovers like Kevin, we anyway, we are here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your business. Now, every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, The Art of the CEO streams live to you through the magic of cyberspace. It plunges through your cyber door, and this and every other show we've done may be downloaded by visiting blogtalkradio slash the art of the CEO. That's blogtalkradio slash the art of the CEO. So, my friends, visit and enjoy for your benefit. Now, today's episode is titled, The Victory of the Tortoise, Galapagos Conservancy's Great Race. Yes, today we're going to look at one of the most successful nonprofits and find out how they intertwine the scientific, the environmental, the governmental, uh, and the governmental community, all along with one hard, lumbering tortoise, all into a very well-fighting preservation force. We'll be looking at the Galapagos Conservancy, that amazingly effective nonprofit which keeps one of the planet's most diverse, most valuable, and most precarious natural ecospheres alive and thriving. And today, through a little begging and a lot of good fortune, we have with us uh, as our featured guest, Ms. Johanna Barry, founder and current president of the Galapagos Conservancy. But... Before we begin laying out the nonprofit role model for all of you to follow, why don't we take a moment to supply you out there with a few utensils for our Feast of Wisdom. So first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. That's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. And so I ask, will this be the day that you walk out of hell, that you toss aside all those plaguing thoughts and concentrate on your good life's goals, or will you continue to let the plaguing thoughts haunt you? The choice is truly yours. Secondly, it is time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it out here and thumb through. Give me a second. Okay, we're coming to the end. This is it, number 91. I thought it was very kind of the speaker to recite each slide of his PowerPoint presentation word for word, just in case we couldn't read them ourselves. As an afterthought, death by PowerPoint, my friend, should be a capital offense. In your next presentation, why not let your slides be the launching pad from which your mighty words take wing, rather than a bedtime story read boringly? And as our third utensil, uh, perhaps we should call this day's utensil the serving spoon of generosity, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. Now, today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email to us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. Simply write that name to info at bartsbooks.com, I-N-F-O at 
S B O O K S dot com. And if you are right, we will send you a gift from the Bart's Books bookstore. So the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, the thing most profitably raised on city land is taxes. <laughs> he was none other than the noted 19th century journalist, the man who also said that politics makes strange bedfellows, Mr. Charles Dudley Warner. So now, with all things aside, let us dig into today's feast and call upon the expertise of that lady whose passionate dedication has built one of the most effective environmental protective protection agencies, Ms. Johanna Barry. Johanna, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, sir, and yourself. Oh, I do well. I understand you have just come back from Quito uh, and and had a uh, hopefully successful meeting down there. I I did. Um, I was only there for a, a few days, but uh, gathered with the uh, uh, an international coalition of uh, academics and NGOs and government agencies who are all focused on the protection of the Galapagos Islands. Wonderful. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you've been able to round them up, and, I'm, and I hope that uh, their many financial problems are things that can be solved. Johanna, now you've been sort of a knight errant protecting every section of nature's own Eden. I, I know you've been with the Wilderness Society and Audubon and others. I'm curious what, what brought you to uh, love and fight for the natural world and, our, and all our abundantly diverse creatures. Well, uh, <laughs> heavens, those are... <laughs> kind words indeed. Um, while I've, it's true, while I've spent my professional life in conservation, uh, you know, I'm not a, a hiker, I'm not a camper, uh, I'm a watcher, if that's such a thing. Uh-huh. And I've always felt that landscapes and creatures provide such important context to human life. Um, we are sometimes uh-huh. part of a landscape, sometimes in opposition to a landscape, but we are, you know, inextricably in the landscape and understanding that we are connected is probably what what keeps me going. We're connected in ways we don't even understand and and for me fighting to protect those connections is important. I couldn't agree with you more. I if any lady or gentleman of business would like to to learn a deep lesson, just stand for 15 minutes and watch uh the birds competing at your feeder. For those of us who've had their eyes glued to their smartphones for far too long, could you tell us exactly where the Galapagos is, what it is, and who lives there? Okay. Um, this, uh, this is an archipelago, um, a group of 13 large islands and seven, around seven smaller islets. Um, it's 600 miles off the coast of Ecuador and belongs to the country of Ecuador. And there are about 25,000 to 30,000 people who live in the four inhabited islands. These are all Ecuadorian nationals. Okay, that's almost sapiens. What else? Oh, well, what else? We have uh, some <laughs> extraordinary... Some of the big uh, ones. Creatures, so the big ones, the big Galapagos um, tortoise. Giant tortoises are only found in two archipelagos in the world, uh, one in Africa, mm. outside of Africa, and one in uh, in the Seychelles Islands and, and in Galapagos. And we have the the uh, iconic uh, blue-footed boobies, red-footed boobies, oh, uh, yes, flightless cormorants, yes. and the world's only seagoing lizard, the Galapagos marine iguana. So we are surrounded by by fascinating um, reptiles, fascinating birds, and regrettably only about two mammals: um, one oh. a one a bat, 
and mm-hmm. won a um, well. His name is a is Rice Rat, but he's actually sort of gerbily looking. If there, now, <laughs> there uh, is now that's an is, is that someone I'd meet at a bank? No, probably <laughs> All right. Well, I want you to know, I. I it, it's it, it's a fabulous place, ladies and gentlemen. I have scuba and snorkeled uh, amongst the sea lions and the hammerhead sharks. I've I've wandered among the red and blue-footed boobies. I've watched giant al- albatrosses launch their wings off from steep cliffs over the ocean zephyrs. And ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, this is a place that you do want to visit and you do want to protect. Now, Johanna, as I understand it, way back in nineteen in two thousand six, I'm sorry, when all of us were a lot younger, you actually founded the Galapagos Conservancy by pulling together some other organizations. Uh, how did that work? How'd you get how'd you get everything together? Um, well, indeed, we we certainly were uh, younger in two thousand six, but but actually, I founded an organization called Charles Darwin Foundation Inc. back in nineteen ninety two, and I would oh, okay. call that a, a plain vanilla. Nonprofit fundraising organization, which you know raised membership through um, direct mail and and you know uh, foundation uh, grants and so forth. Um, right. And we funded uh, projects in the islands, mostly uh, notably the projects of the Charles Darwin Foundation's uh, research station. But in 2001, we merged with a like organization called the Darwin Scientific Foundation, uh, wow. and in 2000. Six, we changed our name to Galapagos Conservancy. So, I mean, that's a lot to keep on your scorecard, I know, but um, basically... Yeah, we're, yeah, all right. We're, we're two organizations and and uh, several name changes, and, and here we are today, Galapagos Conservancy. All right. Well, now, I've heard you refer to the Conservancy as a one-trick pony, and in the sense that you've got one national park, not all the parks of the world or all the rivers of the world, and your effort really takes place in a foreign land, I mean, way far away, and under another sovereign country. How do you, viewing that, and here you are uh, in Virginia, and how do you garner support up here? For a need that's down there and well out of the donor's line of sight. Well, that is an excellent question and uh, one that drives right to the heart of of what we do. Um, visitors to the Galapagos claim, and I concur, and 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 you've certainly um, validated this, um, that visiting Galapagos is a transformational experience. People are truly changed and grateful for the experience that they've had. Um, and I, I really can't think of too many places like that. And so when we yeah, reach yeah. out to yeah, and talk to them about their experience and share our own experience with them and talk about ongoing science, the critical issues, we're talking to friends. We're talking to people who know this place. And oh. I believe that, that people with whom we speak know that we know Galapagos, and, and we're speaking as, as colleagues not as fundraisers or folks apart from the issues. You know, we're we're in this together, and I I think that's the that's the critical difference. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to take note of that, and I'm going to call this a quill pen moment. I'd like you to grab your pens, dip it in the ink well, and write down the fact that if you are trying to do fundraising, you have to be find a common core, and see yourself, as Joanna so wisely put it, as a colleague, someone who himself or herself is invested in what you're talking about and in what you're trying to protect. Uh, You feel this instantly when you come in the Conservancy. If you don't feel that, 
in your nonprofit, if the people don't feel that link, uh, you better get busy because you aren't doing it right, or maybe you're in the wrong business. So I add that. I, I just point that out to you. Um, now, I know that uh, ever since uh, Charles Darwin sailed uh, the Beagle and to, uh, uh, onto the islands, the, the scientific community has been absolutely enraptured with the um, you know the flora and the fauna, and of course the geology of the Galapagos. Could you just tell us, just so to give us an under uh, understanding, what are some of the latest experimental projects that you've got under the aegis of the Conservancy? Well, one that we have supported along with um, other donors is the critical work on um, Philornis downsy, which is an introduced bot fly. And it is a oh. nasty, devastating little creature which feeds on the nestlings of finches and basically – uh, not to not to be too graphic, but basically it drains the baby bird of blood. So mortality is extremely high, and um, oh scientists oh are <laughs> it's awful, really. Scientists are experimenting with uh, a number of introduced biological uh, agents, um, some um, some which uh, disrupt mating, and one uh, which is which is high on the list is a decapitating fly. That is specific oh. to um, Falornis, and so um, this is this is really important stuff in the in the Falornis fight. If you happen to be someone who's who's following the Falornis fight, but but the ability right. to create um, you know biological agents um, to fight introduced um, species, um, it not only has application obviously for Galapagos, but if we are successful, applications throughout the, the rest of the world where the bot fly you know is an issue. So, um, but something a little less nasty um, that uh, we are leading is the retortoising, and, and trust me, oh. this is a word, or it soon will be, um, the retortoising of Galapagos. We're bringing I love back it, yes. <laughs> bringing well, you, back you should tortoises. take some of the tortoises we have down in Washington, the people who, who oh, move yeah. uh, with Very the speed of justice and, through Congress. Get, get the, I mean, I don't, they're, they're some pretty sloth-like creatures. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> So, so how do, well, tell us about the retortising and briefly. How okay, well, this this is a this is a this is a bit complicated um, and not quite Jurassic Park, but it involves the <laughs> excellent work of of geneticists at, at Yale and field work by the Galapagos National Park, and leadership by our own staff and adjunct uh, scientists and colleagues to bring back what were once considered what once were tortoises mm -hmm. extinct in the wild back to their islands of, of origin. So, oh, I this, see. Okay. Yeah, this is pretty huge, and it's not huge because, oh. you know, we're talking about big reptiles, but the ability to use lab science, to use field work, and, you know, good old-fashioned boots on the ground, you know, to come together and make conservation success. So uh, currently wow. um, we've, we've, uh, we're working on... Uh, Pinta Island, we're working on Santa Fe, and we're working on Floriana through, again, through captive breeding and, and genetic work to actually bring tortoises that have been extinct on these islands for 150 years back to these islands. So it's Whoa, that's that's amazing. I, I want you, ladies and gentlemen, to know that when you push through a jungle trail and there standing right in front of you is a tortoise uh, with a shell that if he were not in it, you could crawl into it and move around and his he's dripping with his jaws dripping with passion fruit and he looks at you benignly and with a smile 
it is an, a thing to behold. It is an amazing uh, experience, and I'm so glad the that you're not only uh, retortoising, but that you're learning how you can reintroduce other species. I think there's some marvelous scientific work there. Um, before before we go for a break, could you just tell us? Uh, Quickly, Johanna, how people may contact uh, the uh, Conservancy, how they may donate, how they may find out how to visit. Uh, how do you get in touch with the Galapagos Conservancy? Well, I think the the easiest way is uh, is contact us through our website. It's a it's a pretty easy one to remember. It's www.galapagos.org, and on our uh-huh. website is um, ways to donate. We have a whole section on planning your trip. Um, we ah, have history information. Any anything you want to know, it's a a crash course in Galapagos. So please come come visit us on our website, Galapagos.org. Wonderful. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the midpoint of our feast. So if you uh, would like to pause a moment, let's take a brief sorbet. It is time to introduce the company by whose good graces we are here. We are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of, among many other things, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit them and their bookstore at bartsbooks.com. That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And explore a, a wide wealth of business tools. And now Prometheus Publishing would like to invite everyone enjoying today's show to look at one of our more jovial guidebooks. <laughs> and this is... The book you heard mentioned previously, The 101 Best Business Quips. It's the book from which we draw all those marvelous little barbs every show. And in belief that the greatest wisdom comes wrapped in a little laughter, we compile these quips, and each with a little afterthought to ponder. So I'm going to make a suggestion here that uh, for Christmas, why not make a donation to the Galapagos Conservancy in in the name of your best beloved, and then wrap that gift in a quips book and uh, with a little fun and send it along. Why not? I think it'd be a fun thing to do. And you can also uh, visit the find out, uh, the Bart's Books com bookstore for many other volumes, which could be of great help. Ladies and gentlemen, and all those who are uh, giving wisely throughout this season, we are back with. Johanna Barry, head of the Galapagos Conservancy, and um, we have a few. I have a few more things that uh, we'd like to get into, and one of them is, is this is one of my favorites. Is you, you certainly have kept uh, the archipelago uh, lumbering into the limelight with Lonesome George. Now it's it's George has to be one of the most effective awareness efforts ever to pull at the public heartstrings. I mean, who else can come up, uh, can found up their fundraising efforts on a 102-year-old pinup model who's a virgin? It's, it's a bit, how do you, did you tell folks about Lonesome George and what got it all started and what, how did it get juggernauting? Okay, well, uh, um, I never thought of that, a 101-year-old virgin, but that's, I've got to remember that. That's, that's fascinating. Um, <laughs> George was was not so much a, a PR uh, coup as a cautionary tale, and many okay. people who but. visited Galapagos um, uh, met him, saw him, felt a connection to yeah, him. I did, and wanted yeah, and wanted to see good things happen for this this solitary fellow. And you know, he did indeed lumber into our hearts. He was uh, found alone in 1971 on the island of Pinta, and there was 
much excitement about the ability to reach out to the rest of the world and and find his soulmate, as it were. Uh, this, yeah. you know, as you know, uh, did not happen. And for many years, he right. remained a bachelor. Uh, there were attempts mm-hmm. to interest him in other ladies uh, from other islands, mm-hmm. uh, which were nowhere. And there were attempts to teach him, shall we say, the ways of love, <laughs> and that <laughs> ended badly. Um, and, yes. you even had, and you even had a college co-ed who could have taught many people the ways of love, but she chose George, and, and that didn't work either. Yeah, she was quite she was uh, quite talented and quite uh, resolute, and uh, and and her efforts, you know, uh, unfortunately failed. And so, despite changes to his diet, to his environment, to his love life, to his care, you know, George George had none of it, and and died in 2012, a a resolute bachelor. Ah, uh, well, now you you have. Uh, uh, could you tell us about George's recent trip to New York and the Natural History Museum, and then and it, uh, outline his final resting place? But could you also tell us how you used this event to connect to uh, the members and the people at large? Sure. Um, I was in Galapagos at the park when when George mm-hmm. died. Um, mm-hmm. It really it really rocked the community. Uh, losing an old friend, mm-hmm. and and understanding that this. Old friend was the last of his kind. People were were profoundly affected, not only in the community no, but no. within on on Twitter and Facebook, and and it was really a, a old uh, an old and beloved friend uh, had died. And I guess it's so, like watching one of the dinosaurs pass. It would be a terrible. It was. Thing. No. It was. It was. It was. And and people, you know, there was a there was a visceral reaction uh, when mm. when George died. And. So a group of us down there gathered, and and again, here is the strength of of Galapagos that that different people from different countries and people all over the world can connect so quickly and so effectively to try and solve a problem. And within a matter of hours, um, you know, uh, there was uh, there was a, quite a bit of outreach over the over the internet, and um, mm-hmm. the decision was taken to send George to the U.S. to be embalmed, um, and that. Mm-hmm. Almost took a year. Uh, it was about a year before George made it up, uh, but he made it up. And again, that was a, a group effort. So George mm-hmm. now is at the American Museum of Natural History, and his story really is a powerful one. Um, on the opening night of the exhibit, uh, we had supporters, friends, the press, but as importantly, some people who didn't even know who George was, but connected uh-huh. with that story. And and there were mm-hmm. tears. There were tears oh, and there God. were good stories. Wonderful. It was almost like a wake, you know. There were tears mm-hmm. and good stories from people who knew George well. And oh, again, my. when you talk about connecting with your members, it is it is the authenticity of that moment. It is um, oh. it's people who heard us talk at the event, and I was on a panel of, of four people, knew that we knew George, and knew that right. we had done all we could for him. Um, and they knew George, so we were talking together authentically about an old friend and and mm-hmm. what his passing meant. Um, and the museum, um, the museum presentation, both the exhibit and the panel discussion, was so respectful. And George's story continues to be told respectfully. And you know, and I think that's uh, I certainly personally appreciate that. But I I think that that's important. You know, as as we move forward. And, and ask ourselves, you know, sort of where do we go from here? 
I think that's a marvelous story. And the emphasis, my friends, I hope you heard that, was on the authenticity of the feeling that you didn't foment or whip up, but actually was there in the people. Ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee, because we are each diminished by the passing of one of our fellow creatures. And now, John, part of the things that you have done within the conservancies, it seems to me, you've created a a really marvelous marriage of sense and soul. And by that, I mean, you, you have passionate environmentalists, those who care about George and protecting all the tortoises and the land itself. And you have the scientific community, which uh, has its own agenda. And I'm not saying they're, uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily making a sheep goats division, but they are different. Uh, they are different interests. How do you pull, pull the, the, the science and how do you even use the science to help the protection uh, and how is it working out between the two groups? Well, um, thank you. Uh, I don't. I don't think I'm quite the magician you describe uh, in <laughs> uniting these these communities. Um, I think that the scientific community are, in fact, a passionate bunch. They are remarkably optimistic and as committed to making the world a better place as are their you know, environmentalist colleagues. And I think okay. Galapagos unite these communities, not so much me, but Galapagos unites these communities. Saving this extraordinary place unites us all. And don't forget that the donor community is as important to making all of this work as the folks in the fields and the folks peering through the microscope. Um, given the successes we've enjoyed in Galapagos, restoring ecosystems, combating introduced species, protecting fragile plants and animal communities, I'd say that this that this marriage um, has worked out pretty well. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it. Now, there's a third aspect of this marriage, that, uh, and that is that uh, you operate uh, under the sanction and with the help of um, the nation of Ecuador and the government. And governments have uh, interests in tourism, and they have interests in, but they also have interests in developing and providing houses for their people. And so, I mean, like all governments, it's a conflicting mass. Um, Give us a couple of tips on how to work within a government or work with a government to get it to help you with for for your nonprofit. Okay. Well, the... um First of all, working in a, you know, obviously working in a sovereign country, we, we need to be respectful of the, um, uh, of the government's um, stated, you know, conservation goals and, and objectives. But let's not forget that, that Galapagos was one of the first sites ever to be inscribed on the World Heritage List. So the government of Ecuador for, for decades uh, has put significant resources into creating key institutions in the islands um, to protect and manage natural resources, the Galapagos National right. Park Direct, Biosecurity Agency, as well as other ministries. So the government of the the commitment of the government of Ecuador to to conservation, both for the terrestrial park and let's not forget the Galapagos Marine Reserve is the fourth largest marine yes, reserve in the absolutely. world. Yes, um, absolutely. So the relationship is is ba- for us is basically assisting the government in carrying out its conservation goals and objectives. So the Relationship, I, I like to think, um, is uh, respectful and uh, and collegial. Uh, now, again, we Galapagos Conservancy are in Fairfax, Virginia. We we do not. Well, we have, I, I understand. Yeah. yeah, 
okay. I, yeah. You work together. Do, That's, that is yeah, great. I, uh, I unfortunately, we are coming to an end of our show. I'm very sorry. I wish we had more time. I wanted to ask about a, a lot of other things, about the staff and so much more, but I'm afraid we're going to have to say goodbye. And, Johanna, I thank you for all your work at the Galapagos Conservancy and for all you've taught us today about handling a profit, uh, a nonprofit from the heart, and I, I appreciate that. So, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out the show today, allow me to leave you with uh, today's business quotation, and that is: Who is the person who said it is a poor business that makes nothing but money? And ironically, as a hint, this person, the business person who said that, who said that, made quite a fortune of his own, and I sincerely doubt you'll ever uh, you believe who who said that. Anyway, uh, if you feel you do know the name, please send that to info at bartsbooks.com. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, ladies and gentlemen, instead of my usual funny line here, allow me to give a hip hip hooray to the two strangers who joined me today in helping dig out a mired van from another stranger's uh, caught uh, in a farmer's field across the way. Humankind is good indeed, and that is my my final message. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.